Hey guys, open up your Bibles, please, with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. I had this uh, clever introduction that I'm going to bail on because, well, time not permitting. You know, Proverbs is proof that human nature has never changed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is absolutely right. Proverbs is proof that human nature doesn't change. Well, if you just read the Old Testament and you see these guys constantly fighting, that's another indication that at least that part of the world has not really changed much in 4,000 years. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Come on in, sir. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. These are familiar passages to us. What does fear mean in this verse? Respect, reverence. reverence, those are all pretty good ways of understanding that. What you say? Submission. Submission. Interesting. I don't normally hear that one, David, but I think that that is contextually very appropriate since the whole book of Proverbs begins with an encouragement from a father figure to a son figure. Heed my instruction. Basically, submit to the wise authority and it will go well for you. Yeah. Anybody else? What does fear mean in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7? Loving reverence. A loving reverence, yeah. Yeah. Loving reverence. Joe, have you had your coffee yet? <laughs> Come on in, man. An all-filled respect and reverence. Something along those lines. With emphasis on, uh, really, on, on, on how, how awesome. Not in the, like, totally radical sense, but... In the cosmically impressive sense, God is awesome in that way. Honor is another way to think about that. Honor is another way to think about fear in Proverbs 1, 7. Ridge, come on in. But I think we can even go further than what we've said so far. More than respect and reverence, more than loving reverence or honor, I think in some sense... We can think about fear in this verse as an understanding of our vulnerability and our dependence on God. And I'll flesh that out here in just a little bit. Fear in Proverbs 1-7. Honor, respect, reverence. It can be considered understanding the consequences of not following the Lord. Very true. Understanding the consequences of not following the Lord. Maybe perhaps giving us an opportunity to count the cost of what might happen if we don't follow the Lord. Understanding fear this way as both respect and reverence, but also as a recognition of our vulnerability, a recognition of our dependency on God, I think can show us, at least in this context, Fear can be pretty healthy, right? The way we've been talking about it. This kind of fear is a healthy kind of fear. What, just give me basics for the sake of our time. What do you fear? What are you afraid of? What's the future? It's unknown. Yeah. Fire. Fire. Yeah. 
fear of fire, yeah. In some 12-step groups, uh, fear is a future events appearing real. Future events appearing real. That's a good way to look at that ridge. It's like kind of hurting about the dentist before you ever get there. <laughs> and you find out after it's all over with that it, yeah. a lot of times your fears were worse than the actual event itself. Yeah. But you wasted all that time and trouble worrying about something that really wasn't big. And in the meantime, you lose your keys. My, <laughs> in the meantime, you lose your keys. Yeah, Mike talked to us about anxiety today. Anybody have the fear of maybe being found out that you aren't as... Smart or strong or competent or together as fill in the blank as you like to pass yourself off as? Maybe fear that you haven't done enough to... Fear you haven't done enough? Yeah. What did you say, Jesus? Huh? What did you say? Fearing, uh, fearing that you haven't done enough for God. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe the fear that you can't earn that love and forgiveness that God talks about. It's that fear of having one foot off the cliff and the other foot on the banana peel yeah. type thing. Yep. What does your fear tell you about yourself? What does your fear tell you about yourself? We would have had a lot more time to kind of warm up to these tough questions. Had we? That you're going to get called out. Caught. Yeah. Pretending to be somebody that I never was. Pretending to be somebody you never were. Come on in, sir. Come on in, guys. Appreciate y'all being here. I have a fear of my name not being written in the book of life. <laughs> and the separation from God. And the yeah. Pain and agony. That, that would be. Fear says that. Fear, fear says that you're, you're normal. That you're human. Fear's a good indicator that we're human. Mm. Um, yeah. As we get older, we also we may have more fear, but at the same time, I think we're more likely to know that we um, need to be dependent upon somebody else, other people, on God, yeah, um, to deal with those fears because yeah. fear is going to happen. The question is, how are we going to handle it? Are we going to allow it to control us, or are we going to figure out ways to handle? you know, handle it constructively. Yeah. Guys, I think David has hit something really important here. And I, for the sake of our recording and for everybody here, I'll repeat that. One thing that fear can tell us, especially when we ask ourselves, okay, what am I afraid of? And I'm not pretending to be a boss, right? And say, I'm not afraid of anything. It's like, yeah, okay. You probably are if you just stop and think about it. If you actually stop and think, what is it I'm afraid of and what does that tell me about me? David made the point that probably tells me that I can't succeed in life, in love, relationships, career, and all the things that really matter most. I probably can't succeed totally by myself. I'm vulnerable and I need good people around me. God won't let you down. And God won't let you down. Fear. We talked earlier about what do we fear. Um, I bet if any of us, if, I bet if I were to go around and ask the room, 
you know, do you fear rejection? Chances are you could probably come up with a relationship where it would hurt if you were rejected in that relationship. Or do you fear loss? You could probably come up and think of someone or several someones, right? You would fear losing. Fear of being separated from them for eternity. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that fear tells you that you honor those relationships. They're important to you. And it also, like David said, alerts you to your own vulnerability. The basic point for this class is this. Our emotions, whether it's sadness, fear, anger, loneliness, gladness, all of that, our emotions... Tell us something about what's going on inside. If you're feeling something, that's your, your brain, your heart telling you, hey, there's something up. You need to address it. Your emotions tell you something about what's going inside. And here's the difficult truth. And for those of you who have been more open throughout this class, you know this. What's going on inside always finds a way to come out, right? What's going on inside? The pain of rejection that leads to addiction, which leads to self-destruction. That what's going on inside always finds a way to come out. Sometimes, so, sometimes your emotions betray you. Also. Ooh, very much so. Emotions can betray you. So, we need to do the difficult work of taking responsibility for how we feel not for what others did to us, right? There's a difference there. Yeah? That's what we did today. I, if somebody hurt you, that is on them. But we need to take, learn to take responsibility for how we feel. To own it, to admit it, to fess up to it. When it hurts, to say it hurts. When we're angry, to say we're angry. To express those emotions in ways that don't turn around and hurt ourselves or someone else, right? And we need to address it before we hurt ourselves or someone else. I'm going to have to skip a bunch here. But basically, I want to ask this question, and I've got kind of three main points, and then we'll close with the Scripture. What are some benefits of healthy Fear. Earlier we talked about unhealthy fear and healthy fear. What are some benefits of healthy fear? Keeps you alive. Force you to change. Yeah? Can keep you alive? Yes, sir? Keeps you from doing something really stupid. Not always. Sometimes it can keep you from doing something really stupid. Keeps you grounded. Fear's a, an alert to your body knowing that something is up or could happen. Yeah. So you stay, uh, you stay alert and your situation that, that surrounds you, right? It yeah. Keeps your head on a swivel. Yep. Or if you relax, you kind of perish or die, right? Yeah. I don't need to go into any detail with our veterans about how fear can help keep you alert. Yeah. Does the pain generate fear of further pain? It can. I would think, yeah, pain can generate fear. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Unless you have lung 
So I'm reading, uh, I'm, I flew back from, uh, from Memphis, Tennessee to Corpus Christi yesterday, and um, on the flight down, uh, on the flight down here, I was reading some of the collected letters of the author uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, okay, the guy who created Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. I was reading some of his letters, and he, was, he, he wrote a lot of letters to his son Christopher, who at that time was uh, serving in the Britain's Royal Air Force, and he had been stationed in various places. It was in the middle of World War II. And he was, uh, he made a comment, Ridge. He said, the burned hand teaches best. Yes. But keeping away from fire. Yeah, sometimes fear can, uh, sometimes pain can generate fear, which teaches us, okay. Healthy benefits of fear. I'm going to give us three that we've all kind of hit on. But I'm going to give us three healthy benefits of fear. Fear can awaken us to danger. If you're somewhere or with someone and you get kind of that odd sense, like, hmm, I don't know about this. I don't know what it is. You ever been around, I don't, we don't need details, we don't have time for details, but you ever been around somebody or been in a situation and you thought, mm-mm, I get the heebie-jeebies here. Nope, this is not for me. I don't know why Jerry pointed to Jesus, but I'll let you draw your own conclusion. Because <laughs> I say things that other people are scared to say. And you know, I appreciate that, man. I, I, I'm for real, I appreciate that. Yes, sir. You mentioned that aspect. I work in an oil field. Mm-hmm. I've always said I will walk a job if the boss tells me to do something I know I shouldn't be doing. I was almost at that point a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wanted a, a crew that worked 12 hours already to bring in lights continue about another half half the night's worth of work. I yeah, dangerous. Down. Yeah, I, I got it shut down, but you know, that, that was, that's almost an extreme example, but yeah. it, it keeps you from doing stupid things. Fear can awaken us to danger. Fear can lead us to act cautiously, right? Not as an expression of weakness or timidity, okay? But to act cautious, the desire to act cautiously Right can maybe uh, come from a desire to prevent harm to ourselves or somebody else. Caution can slow you down long enough to take a pretty good assessment of the situation. Are these the right kind of people I need to be with? Take caution. I mean, to, I mean, fear. It may have fear of something right now, but it may be because you don't have the skills necessary to handle sure. the situation. So, caution. What do I need to do? How do I develop what I need to develop in order to handle this situation? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I am, I'm prepared now. To yeah. this caution can lead to discernment. That's why we throw caution to the wind, Kevin. <laughs> caution can also help you not throw caution to the wind. <laughs> but discernment can help you lead to the wisest course of action. Okay. That was the first thing. Fear can awaken us to danger. Again, sorry I have to rush. Second thing, fear can teach us to count the cost of our choices. Let me read a quote from the book that I've been working from for this class. To keep us from danger, fear allows us to count the cost of our choices, and it instigates the recognition of potential consequences. If I go down that path, I could get lost. The fear does not necessarily make us change our behavior, but it makes us aware of our choices. 
if we are not able or willing to listen to this fear, we become foolish or fearless and therefore oblivious to danger, or become cowardly and avoidant, unwilling to face danger. Now, I described this process last week when we talked about anger. And again, if you, um, if you miss a class or want to go back over and find these, you can find them on our website. I talked about this last week when I mentioned this idea of stepping into the darkness just long enough to look at how your life is going right now and asking yourself, okay, if I keep doing what I'm currently doing, if I keep hanging out with the crowd that I'm hanging out, if I keep engaging in the kinds of behaviors that I'm engaging in, what is the worst that could happen? Be brave enough to try that out. It's like, what could happen? And really ask yourself that tough question. If I don't deal with this hurt and I keep drowning my sorrows away at the bottom of this bottle, what's going to happen to my friends and my family and my job? Where am I going to end up? You're going to get the same results. You're going to get the results. Continue what you're doing. And you expect something different to happen. It and it's not going to happen. That's, that's right, Gene. Yep. It is. I was about to yeah. say that that's the definition of insanity. Yep. Is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yep. Well, eternally, you know, when you think about Jesus, when he says, depart from me, ye that practice iniquity, mm-hmm. ye that continuously do these things. And if you die in that state, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. You know, when you're hanging with these guys. And I remember my, my granddad, and that's kind of what brought my dad to the gospel. My granddad was out drink, drinking with some guys, and they, and they threw up some kind of cliff or something and hit a tree, and he died, and the rest of them lived. And, they, and people kept telling my dad, if your dad didn't make it, he'd go to heaven and things like that. And he wanted to know what was heaven and hell, and yeah. dad wasn't a religious man and all that. You know, so, you know, that all, that's always been a fear, like, dying in a state or in a situation in a, in a place where God is not. Yeah. yeah. That fear. That fear of, man, I don't want to end up like that. Like, surely there's somebody in your life, somebody you know, right, where you can look at them and say, man, I really don't want to end up like that. Now, that doesn't mean that you're better than they are, right? But surely there's somebody where you can look at them and say, Man, I really, I want to avoid that. Jesus and Jerry, I'm loving this dynamic up here. We've all heard the phrase, romance. I wouldn't get caught dead doing that. Right. You're going to get caught dead doing something. Doing something. The third thing. I wouldn't be caught dead living, right? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. That's some some Yogi Berra type stuff right there. I like that. The third thing, fear can prompt you to prepare. I'm sorry, writing it down. Kevin, Fear can prompt you to prepare so you can act on good, God-honoring desires. Amen. Quick, quick example. Right. Quick example. Our veterans know this. Combat veterans know this especially. Right? You've got, to, you've got to prepare 
because you're going to step in a situation that in any other instance is scary. Bullets are flying at you, right? The enemy's there. You don't know exactly where they are. You know at least where some of them are. Your preparation will help ensure the safety of you and the people around you. Spiritually, guys, it's no different. Another quote from the book, Listening to and valuing fear helps you prepare for the challenge of attaining those good, God-honoring desires you have. Things like relationships, mental and spiritual health, stuff like that. When you truly desire something you don't have, you can experience fear. This fear is the fear of failure or pain or humiliation or disappointment or loss. But if your desire is for something truly good and honorable, then your fear can be a tool that helps you plan and practice. Fear can help you do the work and the preparation for what comes ahead. Here's a, a small example. Um, I, started, I started a second master's degree in 2010. And guys, private school is an expensive place to just find yourself, okay? <laughs> I started a second master's degree in 2010 knowing exactly what I was going to, knowing exactly why I was there and what was going to happen next or what I wanted to happen next. The fear of not doing that pushed me to be the best student I had been at that point in my life. And that can apply to grad school or that can apply all the way down to high school or that can apply to Del Mar or anything. Yeah, that fear of not attaining the good thing that I was striving for. The good thing I was striving for, by the way, was to actually put into practice the gifts that God had given me. That was the good thing I was wanting to do. I was wanting to be faithful. God had given me these gifts. You got to put them to use. You got to use them. And so that's what I was after. That's what I was after. Sometimes it's the fear of not using what God has given you for Him, but you're using it for the world or yourself. Yeah. But sometimes um, it's like people fear that their prayers never answer, but are their prayers really according to God's plan or not? Right. Yeah. Because sometimes we don't ask for we ask for things that we shouldn't that we know that we're not going to get, but we ask Him to test the spirit, but it's it's wrong, you know, because we know it's not it's not in His terms or like I don't know, I'm trying to say like you're asking for something that that you know that. Is not with God in mind. Yeah. You want to exactly. use it for you. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. God wants to answer prayers. He really does. And He wants to give you good things. Good relationships. <coughs> Healthy relationships. Stuff like that. God wants to give you good things. Are you mature enough to use those good things yet? <laughs> I think fear uh, of corruption leads to freedom and truth. And that's what we have in Jesus is that freedom to know that yeah. whatever however, whatever path is in front of us if we live it in devotion to God then we'll have that freedom to know that whatever happens things will work out I like that Gavin how many of you ever asked your parents or grandparents for something and they told you well maybe when you're a little older <laughs> chances are they probably knew 
that you need to grow up a little bit before you're responsible enough to, to use this thing or to have this thing. I think a lot of times maybe we ask God for things like that and he asks God for something good. And maybe he says, I'd be happy to give that to you. I need you to grow a little bit more. I need you to mature a little bit more. All right, we'll wrap up with this. What fear can alert us to a few things. Our need for others. Fear can also awaken us to danger. It can teach us to count the cost of our choices. And it can help us prepare to be able to step out into the world. Unhealthy fear, on the other hand, can incapacitate us. It can cut us short. Unhealthy fear can keep us from doing even the most basic things. If you are familiar with the parable of the talents from Matthew chapter 25, a master goes on a trip. He gives his three servants different sums of money and says, this is what I have. You guys need to take care of this. And if you grew up in church, you might be familiar with the story, right? The first servant who got five, what are called talents. A talent in that time is like a year's salary, right? Guy was given, let's make a round number, 500 grand. The next guy, 200 grand. The next guy, 100 grand. And said, okay, y'all need to take care of this. When the master comes back, what did the first servant do? He doubled the money. He put the gifts to good use, right? What did the second service servant do? Same thing. Same thing. He doubled the money, put it to good use. What did the last servant do with his hundred grand? He buried it. Why did he bury it? He was afraid. That was an unhealthy fear. He had a good gift, and he didn't even do the most basic thing which the master told him. You could have put it in the bank and earned some interest. Didn't even do that. Unhealthy fear can incapacitate. Healthy fear can push you to do some pretty good things. Guys, I hate to have to run through class like that. The bottom line is this. Fear, that emotion of fear, can be a good thing. Doesn't make you weak. Doesn't make you timid. Doesn't make you impotent. Fear when approached in a good, healthy manner, can actually lead you to become stronger and to become the kind of person that God has been calling you to be all this time. Guys, y'all have a good morning.